and I think like most people you live day to day and you get your workload done and you do your replies through emails but it's working on your ambitions list. I used to chase the ROI all the time, return on investment. And over the course of time, that has evolved into what I call return on life. Welcome back, everyone. This is Randy Dick here on the Return on Life podcast. As you know, it's not always about chasing the return on investment, but more importantly, the return on life. And today I have a great guest, a guest that I'm really excited about, by the way, I took off my suit. As you can see, I'm in a t-shirt here because I'm hanging out with a really cool guy, what I would call a cool dude. And I've got Lewis Crathern with me. And Lewis and I met many, many years ago kite surfing. And Lewis is an amazing kite surfer. Um, he's one of the pioneers, I would say, when it comes to jumping and tricks and, and just the whole piece of kiting and actually he's one of my inspirations in my life i thought man if i could just be like lewis so i'm so excited to have lewis here he's an amazing athlete a speaker a coach a mentor and even a commentator and right now he is in south africa at the red bull king of the air the 11th anniversary and Lewis is one of the commentators in this amazing competition, which uh, Lewis has competed in in the past. He's got a lot of history in this competition. So I'm so excited to have Lewis here. And he's actually uh, hanging out in South Africa right now because of that competition. So welcome here, Lewis. Thank you very much for having me, Randy. Well, you are... Uh, full on in the the competition mindset right now with the king of the air going on but uh this podcast is about return on life and um when you hear that that um saying the return on life what comes to your mind lewis um i think what comes to mind is how the things that i first got involved in that i felt i was just drawn to and was passionate about have been have given me my life and they and I've stuck at them the things I love to do and they have become my life so I think that's how I translate that I know that it's the return on investment that you talk of sometimes but that also works perfectly too because the investment I gave into my life here was to put the energy into trying to fly a kite for the first time and to to do something I was a bit scared to do so that's how I really, really see that term. Hmm. That's pretty cool because, you know, kite surfing or kiting or um, kiteboarding, whatever we want to call it, was was a passion of yours at a young age. And here you've turned that passion from a young age actually into uh, to a business, so to speak, and you're getting return on investment from the things that you wanted to do on return on life. Um, when did that passion start for kiting? What age were you? I, I was a bit older than most. I mean, to give you an idea now how much younger the riders are, they're some of the world champions of 15. You can even start kiteboarding at the ages of five and six. So, you know, people are quite surprised to hear that I actually started kiteboarding at 17. But that was mainly because the sport was very new. Um, it didn't really hit the shores in England till around the the early 2000s. Um, and I happened to be a teenager and had just ventured a bit into windsurfing. So I live on the ocean near Brighton, my parents' house is. So, um, yeah, I was a bit older than most at 17, but I was still young enough to 
sort of have that complete love of it and manage to engineer my time to do as much of it as possible, which was really helpful. Well, I, I wish I could have found this sport at 17. It was uh, it was well when I was well over 50. I'm now 60 years old. So <laughs> uh, I wish I would have uh, found this sport a little bit earlier in life. But uh, but it is a new sport. It really is a new sport when you think of it. Uh, but it's progressed very, very quickly. Hey, let's come back to uh, to where it all started for you then, um, because you have some magical moments uh, in, in the world of kite surfing from the Worthing Pier and the, the Brighton Pier. Can you share those uh, those stories and what what happened, what manifested from that? Do you know what? I should really take you back a bit further to give you an idea of why those things came about in the first place, really. So I got into the sport at a young age and quickly got got used to it. And I knew how to go upside down from all the trampolining and the, the diving boards, especially at my local pool, were great for me to have that aerial awareness. So once I picked up a kite, it was like slow motion. I knew what was going on. And there was also the factor that the sort of 35-year-olds and 30-year-olds plus that could afford the equipment and that were in it from the early days were being replaced by younger guys like me. So very quickly, I got on the competition scene, the British scene, and I won four British titles and it was all great, but I was struggling to make a living. I really was facing, you know, I could barely live day to day and was wondering about sponsors and my parents wanted me to get a real job, I think. It was it was really tough. So Actually, the peer jumps came from almost, I wouldn't say giving up, but almost uh, uh, just wanting a, a new challenge. And, and actually, the almost the final peer jump was actually going to say goodbye to kiteboarding. And the irony of taking on that challenge of jumping over the pier is it then all this uh, exposure around the world and in a way I never expected. And then sponsors came off the back of it and my career was back on track again that, that's really what those peer jumps were about but I never did it for any other reason and I just thought somebody's going to do that in my lifetime and uh, the sportsman within me would have it would have killed me to have seen somebody do that and I knew I was good enough and then my local landmarks it was that simple mm. no, that's really interesting um you know I uh, have many different types of guests on return of life podcast from athletes like yourself to uh, thought leaders uh, entrepreneurs business owners and there's this concept of you know that one break or that one moment but it takes the consistency of doing something over and over and over again sometimes it's a passion sometimes it's not a passion in this case it was a passion to kite but you're at that point where you know, is this actually going to work out or is this something that, um, you know, could, could really be, uh, you know, a catalyst for a, a long career or, or income to support myself or my family. And, uh, and then you had that one moment, that one break that kind of changed everything. And uh, that's, that's pretty magical. That That's, that's great. You know, I often talk about the crucible moments or the moments, the pivotal moments in our in our lives, um, some good, some bad, how they change and shape us. Um, that's one you just shared. Are there other moments or crucible moments that have really shaped and defined who you are, Lewis? 
there's there's definitely been more and more of them as life has gone on but um to go back to that one i, I learned so much about I, I never i never thought i was going to do that but what i learned was that if i delivered myself in the perfect ingredients and situation that would perhaps give me a chance to do that i thought well maybe maybe i might do it so so i learned that maybe that's a bit about life there and I've taken that on through my life and gone on to other many different things which have happened where I've just got myself there you worry about things in life and think about what ifs and they're so different when you're actually there when that moment came I didn't even think I went into autopilot and took the opportunity and I, I learned a lot about my self-belief through that so I've had many times where I've sat at home and seen a forecast come uh, in Taiwan for a Red Bull King of the Air qualifier, I've competed nine times in this event in a row. That's a record, a joint record that I hold. And I was potentially going to drop out at six or seven. Saw a forecast for Taiwan and needed to go the next day on a flight and thought, oh, do I need that? You know, what if I spend all this money and don't win? And I, I went out there and had a super time and won my ticket back into the event. And it was it's easier to make decisions like that when you first have that big moment, I think, of realisation that anything's possible. Mm. That big moment, jumping the pier, was that something that you spent days, months thinking about? Or was it just, hey, in the moment, I think I'm going to do this? No, I planned that. I'd walked the length of that pier. I'd measured it on Google Earth, which you could just about do at the time. Um, and actually, the Worthing Pier really motivated me to do that. I actually went over Worthing Pier with a friend of mine, and he was first to jump over Worthing Pier. The cameras all missed him because they didn't know how to film kite surfing. I was the second guy to go over, and, and we very much got the credit for doing that together. But my video was the one that went around the world and people associated with me doing it and I I took a bit of criticism over that that I only did that because my friend did it and and whatnot so I, again the sportsman inside of me wanted to prove everybody wrong so I set my targets on Brighton Pier which is a bit more well known a bigger pier and again a big local landmark of mine I've never been interested in doing anything that isn't personally close with me um, so it was about a year's worth of waiting for the right wind the right forecast the right wind angle, the right wave angle, the right wave height, the right tide time. There's so many variables that come into something like that. I think it would actually be reckless if I'd just gone out willy-nilly willy and just gone for it. Hmm. That is uh, a great message to send to our listeners here. It's, uh, it's not about just winging it. It's about um, planning, preparing, calculating. And, um, and I think a lot of times we, we see athletes do some incredible things and we think, you know, did they really? Idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dangerous. Yeah. yeah, you do. And, um, and you know, with, with uh, social media and the value or, or the, the way that we can now basically show the, show the history of all of these moments it just gets amped up more and more and more. And next thing you know, uh, like even if we think of uh, kite surfing, you know, uh, a kite loop back in the day, you know, was like, whoa, it's a kite loop. And today, today they're performing 
two and three kite loops. Is there has there been a quad at this point? It hasn't. Funny enough, I was looking earlier thinking someone just I saw a big triple and thought they could do that. But I mean, I don't blame myself or you know, I've gone through that process of thinking like you do in life. But well, I guess it's the definition of hindsight. Why didn't we think of that? How many people when you see, you know, when you hear a great name for something, you think, how did I not think of that? I mean, this is life to to, to try and be the person that does think of those things. But sometimes, but for like example of the triple and quadruple kite loops you've just asked me, the equipment wasn't ready for that stuff. It wasn't our fault we didn't think that. We were going down run road and now the equipment has changed and allowed these different manoeuvres. So there are those factors to think. You can't always blame yourself for thinking about these incredible ideas. Hmm. So, so true. Hey, well, let's uh, let's shift a little bit from kite surfing. Let's go a little bit more personal. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your family. You've got uh, you've got a beautiful wife and two children at this point. Uh, and you mentioned to me earlier that that is probably some of the the bigger moments in your life. Uh, share a little bit about that. Yeah, so I have two children, and I married to a South African lady that I met at the Red Bull King of the Air in 2015, which was wonderful, a wonderful story, really. She was managing the catering and the event side of things, and we had no win for a week, and we kept coming back every day. We don't do that now. It's like one day, two days. I got to know her, and she was wonderful, and she moved back to England with me a year later, um, and actually I suffered a very big accident at the King of the Air in 2016, which I'm sure we might talk on um in a while but that brought us very close together um something like that really does fast track you in a way and her parents are a wonderful i'm actually at the the parents house right now which is a bit surreal because she's back in england at our family home and uh, her father's actually over helping out with the kids before i go back um and then we'll come out here for christmas south africa is very much my second home and i'm really proud that i've got a two-year-old girl and a six-month-year-old girl as well, which my wife has given me, and they have South African passports, and I'm so grateful that they're going to have this culture within them. It's a wonderful thing to have, to have a, a diverse culture within the relationship and the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, and you did suffer a fairly big crash at the King of the Air, which uh, was pretty scary watching it. I did watch it online as well, and... Uh, you, uh, you, at that that moment, you'd actually drowned, if I remember correctly. Yes, that's true. Yeah, and so well, I had drowned. Wow, um, I've had a few uh, pretty interesting experiences myself. I broke my neck when I was fourteen and had to uh, learn how to do a lot of things all over, almost like I was I was paralyzed from the neck down. So, you know, I I know that uh, wow. those moments are crucial and critical and they uh, they redefine who you are i'm sure that had some of it but then you've had you had uh, uh at that moment your wife or well maybe she wasn't your wife at that point but you said that brought you very very close and i guess that was the catalyst of something bigger and better as well these are the moments these are moments that uh that really shape and form us and did that uh that give you a different direction in life at that moment? Was there something that uh, came out of that that you'd like to share? I think being honest, short term, yes. 
it was quite uh, it was quite serious. And actually, I think people that have had accidents themselves will also agree it's hard to actually gain the full perspective on how serious it is when it happens to you especially when I mean I was in a coma for two weeks I don't know what that's like to see somebody close to you not know how they might wake up you know being told that I don't know how my family and my soon-to-be wife got through that and I still lack uh, a sense of sympathy in that way because I just don't know what it's like so it shaped me in that I really was grateful to to be alive and to do this and that from a day-to-day basis for quite so, some time. Um, I now think a bit more about what I'm doing when I'm kite surfing on my own, perhaps. But I think that's down to more having my children than, you know, that's the effect that's had is that, it, that they need me around and, you know, and I try to I try to remove as many unwanted, unne- unnecessary risks, but there's still a big part of me that can um, I wouldn't say get lost, but something else can take over in those winds and those conditions, and I feel like I really want to go for it. But it gave me a def- different perspective a little bit on life after coming back from that. When I see the pictures and videos, I mean, I can't I can't believe you can't believe it's you when you you see mm. something like that. Yeah. You know, um, and those are those certainly are uh, what I would call change agent agents, things that change us. But you still can't take the DNA out of us. Like, so I, I no. my my accident on a motorcycle. Did I did I change the way I was or who I was? No, I was still <laughs> this this adrenaline junkie that had to go fast and do crazy things and pick up a sport like kite surfing at fifty because I saw some guys, you know, going off and, uh, and jumping. And, uh, I thought I got to do that, you know? So, you know, God gave you this, this desire to do what you do. And, uh, so you can't just say, well, no more of that, even with some of those experiences. So I'm glad that you're still kiting and you, you, uh, went on to, uh, still have a great uh, career in kiting and uh, it's evolved into so much more. So that is, that's fantastic. And safety, and I must add, safety is now incredible at these events, you know. Sometimes someone has to take one for the team, and it's human nature that we don't put uh, fail-safes into practice until things happen to us. So mm-hmm. you should see the events nowadays. We have divers and swimmers on jet skis, safety thing here, safety thing that, you know, and I, I think that that was my crash that brought that into play a little bit, so... Mm-hmm. There was some positive. There's always the positives you can take from this stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what do you do in the downtime? Who are you uninterrupted or in the quiet, Lewis? I am a simple man that wants to do the gardening. I love to do the lawn. I love to do anything with my hands around the house from building I like fencing I like golf I like do you know I love the land I've spent so much time with my life 20 years of kiteboarding where it was about the ocean Hmm. and I played golf a lot when I was younger and didn't play for many years after I got into kiteboarding as my job and now I'm reconnecting with the land a little bit fortunately I live just right by Clavelli golf course out here those people that have visited Cape Town will know that course it's wonderful and I can 
walk on there and it's such a contrast between windy kite surfing it's silent and I can look at the nature so I'm I don't need much uh, I lived without a phone for, for you know up until the last year and a half of my life when I had children my wife said you need to get a phone now but I want to be working outside that's who I am you know um you just shared we are we are meant to be in the earth we the, the the earth is vibrating all the time. Everything around us vibrates, including ourselves. And you know the power of vibration, the wind, the energy it has. Yet we need to be grounded and feel the the earth beneath our feet, the water around us. Um, and I think you're just such a great example of somebody that really understands, you know, Mother Earth, uh, the universe. Uh, when you shared that. Uh, so I really appreciate your your response to that. That was really, really awesome. What do you think is your your greatest gift or your superpower um, when you think of, this is Lewis, like what would your wife say your superpower is or your greatest gift? Well, she would say winding up. She would, she would say, she'd say that I'm really good at winding up. I am quite good at that. I had a good group of friends that taught me how to to deal with that. Um, I would say... Winding, I believe, up, winding up. Can I stop you there? Winding up. I don't understand that term. I felt like you weren't fully aware of that because it was... I think most men might have laughed at that. Winding up means... Um, well, it's, I guess it's a British term then. A good wind-up is where you would lead someone on. So where my wife might be getting a bit aggressive and wanting me to do something, I might reply very sarcastically and, and work, I guess work someone up. Maybe you'd work yeah. someone up. I'm quite good at doing that. And I get that from my dad, I guess. He's actually a very calm man, my dad. But I believe that my gift is um, communication, actually. I like to, I like to talk with people. At the coffee, even today, I sat next to the man and we had a half an hour chat and I enjoyed the interaction. And I, I feel like I feel like I could talk myself out of a shooting or anything if I really had to. I feel like I could calm someone down and actually get to the point, you know. I don't often have bad experiences chatting with people, so maybe just talking to people. I, I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. Well, and I would have to say that is from my perspective and I... I don't know you that well, but you know the few times that I've met you, you've just given me such a sense of um, ease and comfort. Um, I've listened to you commentate on many uh, many a time, but when we met up in Squamish, you didn't know me from Adam yet. You made me feel really special, and uh, and uh, I just really appreciate that about you. So I I I I get that. That is definitely definitely a gift that you have. And that's a great gift, by the way. That is a great gift to have. Well, I remember that meeting you. You mentioned at the start of our call today that you'd removed your suit. And all I could think of that I could see you in is a wetsuit. I never imagined you <laughs> in any other form of suits. <laughs> so that is my memory of you meeting you in wetsuits in Squamish. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need to wear a wetsuit there. That water is pretty cold. Yeah. Um, through life you know, we have a lot of things that come at us. Um, and one of the things that uh, is that comes at us often is fear. 
fear. Now, fear can be used as a friend, a foe, or a motivator. And uh, we can we can talk about fear on the water, fear in, in your sport, but just fear in life. How do you see fear? Is fear a motivator, a friend, or a foe? Um, I think it can be all three. Mm. I think it depends what moment you're in. You know, everyone wakes up sometimes and you're just having a bad day and you suddenly so I think of fear and I think of the word worry they're interlinked to me and worry and and spending time worrying and thinking of the same things that haven't even happened yet even when you know I mean I know that worrying doesn't help about things that doesn't mean I don't worry but on my best days I can really think that oh that's just a worry that's something I'm I'm scared of that's not even happened yet something positive might happen on my worst days it can it can ruin me and that's the same with with everybody so I think as far as competing in my life as a kiteboarder I think having a bit of um I don't know about fear but having a bit of um concern maybe uh, you know or, or nerves at an event starting and I need to do well and maybe a bit of fear, fear that I need to get a good result can get me in the right place but to answer your question I think it depends what present state of mind you're in at that time and sometimes when you're just absolutely in the best place ever nothing scary is it you just smash through everything and that's just the days that we have as humans yeah yeah so true I know you're you're uh, fairly big on social media but you're not so maybe big on social media um, do you want to share a little bit about that um, and, and mental health and all the things that are happening around social media? It totally. I don't, it's something we don't speak of much at all. Um, earlier on, you were asking me about the peer stuff. And actually, all I could do was sit here and think of how grateful at the time that social media hadn't exploded and I had no need to go and share it to this other world. I just got to do that in the real world and it was there. It was wonderful. That was 20, 2009 and 2010. But obviously with my job now as a professional kite surfer, um, you're expected to to have a social media and to to get a good balance is really difficult. I mean, I was was given a contract, my first real contract in 2013, where I could go from living in my van to earning a living, a real living, on the basis that I would open a Facebook page and an Instagram account, something I hadn't done to that point, which was quite late, you know, in relation to all my other friends and things. I was really holding on to never do those things. And I nearly turned the, the contract down because of my beliefs in, and also just having to manage two versions of yourself. It's tough. So I think... I find it difficult on a on a basis of that we're often asked to share things, products, um, be visible on social media. And I, I'm finding what works for me now is to have big breaks. So barely in the last three or four weeks have I wanted to even open those apps. And I imagine when people listen to this, they must feel the same, that sometimes you don't even want to open those things. But then I'm always struggling with the expectations of my job where – we're ranked against other um, athletes, by the way, how much engagement we have, how much we're doing. And that's quite a bit of pressure on you. So I'm still going about it my way. And as yet, I'm not hitting any 
barriers where someone said we don't think you're doing enough you need to do more because I very much feel that in years to come maybe even months to come that social media will go along the same route that smoking has where we now I mean I don't smoke but I know that smoking now you kind of gives this to you and I believe that along with gambling social media will be the next thing that we have a lot more research in and studies to prove that too much of this isn't great for people I mean I really do feel for young people today with the with what it brings you think that social media um enhances or or hurts relationships i think it's important to say that the original ideas of social media even the internet to talk about what it was there for it was to connect us on people far away i remember talking to people on yahoo messenger you know all the way from canada I said, and i and i went there i dreamed of going there one day because of those interactions i had as a, as a boy and then i feel like nowadays if we're not careful because there still are great examples where people have facebook groups with people from school they keep in touch in these are the great moments and the great reasons to have this stuff nowadays you don't know if you're getting a spam message or or what's going on it's got quite sinister and evil some of it so i think to answer that, I think there's a bit of both in it, but for me, it's important to remember actually the good things that that can come of it too. But I think more and more apparent is actually the the abuse that that um, these platforms can 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 lend themselves to. So, if you could go back uh, ten years, if you could go back, you know, to two thousand nine, two thousand ten, when you were um, jumping the piers. Um, would you have done something different with social media or would you have still followed this path? So 10 years ago, I would have been 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, no, sorry, that's all wrong. 25. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, 10, 10 years ago. So it, I'd have to go back. Well, let's just uh, say that uh, th- you- I'd have to 13 years. I'd have to go back. Sorry, that's what confused me there. If I went back 13 or 14 years ago when I first jumped those piers, because I think the age does come into it. And mm-hmm. I think I, I would have been, you know, 24, a young man, um, perhaps with a bit more to prove. And already what was happening after I'd done those piers was endorsements. I mean, I met up in London, I met with the likes of Pepsi and people like this who are all quite keen to do something with me on the basis that they would pay me for a certain amount of exposure. Perhaps if I'd had social media then and the instant gratification of all people loving it and doing it, I may well, I like to hope that I would have been strong enough, but I may well have been influenced by that and thought, oh, I need to do something else and something else dangerous and this dangerous. But I was very clear that what I did there was for me and only for me and and that kept me from maybe delving into other things that, you know, they did come about those opportunities, but social media might have made that a bit more tricky. I think it would have. And I think today that's what we see with so many people. They're trying to be influencers and they'll do just about anything to, you know, um, feed their, their accounts and their, their, uh, subscriptions and their friend count um so follow massively 
So I, uh, I pre really appreciate that, uh, that response. Um, if you could uh, tell your, your, yourself uh, 10 years ago, what would you do different in life? Is there something else that you'd be doing different or would you be still on this path? There was, there was never anything else mm -hmm. that I would have been, I think. Um, well, I know, actually, because I went through life avoiding anything I didn't like the look of, like working nine to five. I went to college after school because I wasn't ready to do something I didn't love. And the, the thought of having four weeks off a year terrified me. I just didn't, I didn't know what to do. So I just avoided anything. I went, you know, I did photography and web design, all these wonderful things at college. I did three years. You're only supposed to do two years in college. And I was, and I found my way, which has been, Definitely a good lesson. The word adapt adaption is definitely a key part of my life. But no, there, if I could go back, there was, I don't think there'd be anything else that I would have done. This was going to be it. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So you've got some some great uh, schooling that can help in maybe some business ideas and things like that. Do you see uh, yourself evolving with the, with the, uh, the kite surfing business in a different way outside of competing? And, uh, and maybe you've got some big ideas that you even want to share <clears throat> share on the podcast. There's always ideas going on in your mind. When you do something like those peers, there's always in the back of your mind, what if I should try this or do that? And, you know, how wonderful that. I mean, those were the times of my life as, as, as a person, your phone all your emails is going off all the time and papers want to write something. And do. It's just such a, such a, a buzz that was and all I did was something I loved doing but those moments going on in my head working on your ambitions list mm. which is is the real challenge for me actually now I have children I'm building an office in the garden so that I get that time back to not just do the day-to-day -day, but to work on those ambitions I've got so many notes written down so I think it's important to write them down but to 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 answer you on uh, my feelings about evolving I guess Everything I've ever done in the kiteboarding world has been an evolution. I didn't just sit there and compete for years and years. Whilst I was competing, I actively started visiting schools and speaking to kids and young people all about uh, kite surfing and actually how it, well it relates to wind energy because it's so obvious, the relation. That was in 2007 when my high school invited me back and I and I took the chance and went. I, I didn't really want to go. I thought, I've got, I've got to go. I'll take the chance. And and that's led on to what I do now with schools. And so I think my life's always been evolving. I, I've been commentating from a young age and that's developed. And maybe I will get a bit more involved on the brand side of things, but I'm not worried about it anymore. Maybe that's the one thing I'd tell myself as a youngster is to just mm. not worry about the unknown. I'm okay with it now. And when things come up, I'll gravitate towards those things. And maybe this thing won't get so interesting. So I'm much more calm about that route through life than before. Mm -hmm. I really admire that you've taken what your passion is, this sport, and you've helped others see the sport, but you've also helped them see what the power of the wind can do for sustainability of our planet. And so I really commend you on that. I think that's that's just really, really amazing. Not a lot of athletes do that. They just do their thing. And then um, that's it, where you've actually you know, really brought awareness to the power of the wind and how the wind can be 
you know, the sustainable energy of our earth. So I really appreciate that. I mean, my, my, my hometown, to just add to that, Randy, my hometown has the first offshore wind farm um, on the south coast of England. And the central line of turbines literally points at my family house. It's just you couldn't make this up. I was destined to work with it with wind energy and i always believed i mean i don't have any tattoos but i nearly got a big wind turbine one day i love the the symbol and there'll be people that say oh it's couldn't it's not the best energy you can get but for, for me it's the we're trying we're trying to use what we've got it does get better and better it is much cleaner than it's ever been now and the experiences i've had traveling around the world not just kite surfing but sometimes i go to wind energy conferences with all my special branded kites. I was literally kite surfing four or five days ago in South Africa, right by this beautiful wind farm. I'll send you the images. It was wonderful by these mountains. And I I was there um, because I'll be going to Dubai next week for the COP28 um, United Nations Conference to Change, uh, climate change meeting over there. And I'm getting invited to these things as a kite surfer. Mm. And that's just incredible for me like and that that's all because i went to that school in 2007 and just found a way to link kiteboarding and now that's become a big part of my job man that that is really awesome i i really felt that and you lit up you lit up so i i know that this is something near and dear yeah. to her. you know the the proximity of power is so powerful and um and and what you just shared, I mean, you're in rooms that there's some amazing, powerful people, and you get to impact their decision making. That's you, Lewis. So you are in in the proximity of power, or they're in the proximity of your power, which is really, really cool. It's it's special, and I think because because I'm doing, I don't have to try. And it, my life has always been about that because I'm into kite surfing. I love working with kids. I love doing these things. It's it's so much easier life when you love doing what you're doing. I can't imagine what it's like to sell something you don't like. I mean, I can in a way because I've been with a kite brand before that I didn't love the equipment. I couldn't tell my friends to go and buy it. But everything about what I'm doing, I love so much. And life's just so natural and easy and I know about kiting and that's what's great when I'm in these rooms with these other people is that that's my thing and I feel confident about that and that's everybody has their thing that they know about and feel good about and that's what they should gravitate towards if they're unhappy in life then all you have to do is just throw up one of your videos and you're a rock star in the room oh exactly that especially when I'm working with high school teenagers that are thinking who's this guy and if I'm getting a hard time with those guys, I of course say don't try this at home so the teachers are all nice and calm, but then they certainly respect me a little bit more. Uh, that's great. What is on your vision board? Do you have a vision board? Maybe you just have a mental vision board. Um, I, I think, I say this to everybody, the two greatest gifts that we are given as human beings is curiosity and our imagination, mm. which... Our imagination is the most amazing vision board that we ever, ever have. What we can believe and imagine is so bit much bigger than any picture we can draw or post or scribble or whatever. But um, what is your vision board? By the way, curiosity. Without curiosity, we wouldn't have kiting. 
<laughs> mm-hmm. Without the imagination, we wouldn't know what, you know, what it could create and what we could do with the kite. But what is on your vision board? Do you know, my vision board is still up in the loft waiting to go on the wall in my new office, which uh, I'm keen to get working. And when I get back, so I'm on the inside of that job now. But I know what's on there. And I think I'm meant to start making some films. I'd love to start making some films with my with my father's old Sony Handycam. There was something so special about how we used to film and it was just not even like no one even knew it was there. And it's so different now with phones and all this modern stuff. I've got some great ideas of how I see the world mm. and want to share that. And I think that's what I'd like to start doing is making some real raw, nice films. That's where I'm... Uh, I. I, I like to make films when I was younger and I haven't done it for a while and I'm a bit fearful of it. It takes a lot of time to sit there and I don't want to be stuck editing. I, I don't like editing for hours. I see people doing that all the time. That's not me. I want someone else to edit. But my film I want to do and I want to share what I'm up to and what I see. So you'd yeah. be the, the, the producer, the director and the star? I might have some other people involved in filming too. Um, no, I I don't know if I don't, I don't necessarily want to be the star. I just want to share what I see around the world in this way I've been living. I mean, look where I am now. I'm going to even move this because I want to show you how beautiful oh, that wow. sunset is Gorgeous. over there. Yeah, I'm in a, a lovely place and I think that it's time to start talking about these things. Uh, fantastic. Who are some of the people that influenced your life? You've, you've mentioned your parents a number of times. Are there somebody somebody that's uh, been a massive influencer in your life that you'd like to share? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Aaron Hadlow, we spoke about him earlier, has been wonderful to, to get to know him and form a, a friendship, actually, which is... It was really around football to start. We were really into football together and oh. um, getting to know him. And now we play golf and uh, he's a very good friend of mine. And to just see how incredible of a sportsman that he, that he is has given me the belief that I could go on to, to maybe be like a fraction of that. Nick Baker is a windsurfer, a world champion windsurfer that came from my town. Um, and that was really special to see somebody from my town do that. And I mean, I've read books on all sorts of different people. I find Steve Jobs' story to be very um, incredible from what he started from. Um, so, yeah, I have I have my inspirations. Ruben Lenton, I need to mention his name as well. He's been mm-hmm. he was just out on his own, a pioneer of big air kiteboarding and what he's become in the sport. So lots Lots of people, really. My my dad and my mum, my they didn't come from much, and now they have a lovely home and have really taught me to to earn a living and save up for things. Maybe sometimes before you go splashing out on credit cards. So, my wife, I think I have to mention her. She's such a calming presence in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned a lot of her and a lot about myself through her. She was the only one that could really finally speak up to me and say, no, you're not doing it your way. There's there's another way to consider here. And I think that was a great lesson in life to have as a young man. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you have probably been a huge, huge influence on so many people because you're really 
one of the pioneers of this sport in so many ways. And you brought it to the to the big screen, to the main stage. So uh, I think, you know, there's going to be so many people who say that you, you are one of the major influencers in their lives. So, um, and I think that's awesome. Just awesome. It's, that, thank you. It's hard to hear those things. Not hard to hear them, but I'm not, I don't often interact in a way like, every now and again, someone says something nice like this to me and I'm not, um, I don't know how to accept it because I just go about doing my lovely fun life and it's, I'm so lucky. I, I earned this actually. I'm not you did. lucky, but when I, when I look, I mean, when I look around the world and see the struggles people have and what they're doing, I feel grateful is the way to put it, what I get to do for my job and live my life. Yeah. And you did earn it and you have earned it and you uh, deserve it and uh, accept it. Just take it on, take it on. <laughs> okay, all right, never, okay, thank you. Never deflected, never, because what, what you're doing then is you're kind of throwing away the compliment, so just take it on. Okay. <laughs> I, I brought it back a bit there. I earned it, and I know that, and yeah, that's the important did. thing. I don't never like that term when someone says I'm lucky, because I think, I mean, what's that term? You make your own luck. I'm a big believer that you bring things to you, and I'll... You were saying that you were... Uh, that you brought it back around and that you are grateful. And, and so that's, that's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. No, no problem. Has anything limited your success? Has anything limited my success? Success yeah. in life or success with kiteboarding? You can say, you can say all the above. It came up on the commentary recently when we were, talking about achievements and this and that. And I, I actually stated that I'd overachieved and I feel really proud of that. I gained results in kiteboarding for my natural ability, which I have some natural ability, but compared to some of the riders I see, I overachieved and I'm really grateful of that. And so, no, I think I'm quite happy where, I, where I've done like that. Remind me the question one more time. I've actually forgot the question now that you've asked Has me. Has anything limited your success? But I think you answered it, it beautifully. But has anything um, limited your success? Could I have done that? I, I did that. That sort of question to me, I naturally think the opposite way. I don't know if that's normal, but I don't. Has anything limited my failure? Hmm. No, you know, I don't think about it like that. Has anything limited my success? Everything's helped me. Has helped my success. Nothing's, nothing's limited my success. I, I think I, I could easily talk about the accident and this and that, but those things were all. I saw the positives in those. I think that's a important thing to do in life from all situations. Try and find something good out of them. Let's touch on that because I think that's really important for our listeners to hear that. You know, things happen to us. And, uh, and and some of them are, are really horrific or negative, like my my neck, for instance, breaking my neck at 14, waking up paralyzed. I wouldn't change that for anything today mm. because it shaped and formed who I am today. And I wouldn't be Randy, this version of Randy, without that. When you think of your accident, would you change it today if you could? No. You, you backed up the film and said, no, that didn't happen. Not at all. No, exactly like how you 
responded to me there about what you've become and what you've done and and um I think I mean my mum's a a life coach and she's very into NLP and things that I don't spend a lot of time uh, studying but I'm I mean it's only then when I speak to you and you ask me a question about has anything limited your success my programming of my mind had been not for any choice or actions or studying of mine was to think about that positively and everybody has that ability because I have been in times in my life where I haven't thought naturally like that and I think that's the power of 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 the mind actually and how much you you can influence that Mm. awesome okay we're going to go into a little bit of a speed round and we'll finish off with that um so sorry can can you hear the birds in the background is it all right i can hear the birds they're beautiful i'm not sure i don't know that's like i think it's these grasshoppers or something (laughs) that's just lovely sorry okay (laughs) carry on Uh, it's all good speed round so speed round so Fine dining, takeout, home cooked meal, or Uber Eats. What are you going to take? Uh, I haven't done Uber Eats or any of the fast things yet. I'm a bit scared of them. I don't think they're good for us. Um, what were the other options? Fine dining, fine dining, takeout, or a home cooked meal. I think sometimes in life, when the moment's right, you've got to treat yourself to fine dining and go out and celebrate i don't get to do that much now with the two kids but when the moment's right nothing beats going out with my wife and bringing the kids as well but there's a time for a home cooked meal and there's a time for fine dining as well i think is the answer there right on right on what do you do am i allowed to am i allowed to answer sorry let's break it okay absolutely all right what do you do to uh to let your hair down what do you do to just like chill out and relax golf Golf. easy answer that was the easiest answer in the world is all you do is think about your next shot it's such a wonderful thing golf it is every time it's it's got so many life me- lessons and the, the one i really want to talk about is that no matter what's happening you always walk up to your ball no matter where it is or how bad that ball is and think you know what, I could probably get this on the green or get this next. It's, it's the absolute most positive thing and everybody thinks it. It's great. Yeah. And you can have like 17 bad holes and you hit one good shot and it's like, yes. <laughs> totally. Totally. There's so many life lessons through golf. Like Definitely take up golf if you want to learn about yourself and be a better person. Mm, so true. Hey, what's your favorite band? Cool. You know, I'm so not into music in that way that I could even, I don't even think I have an answer for you. I'm into music and I'm influenced by Ruben a bit and I like house, deep house music and something mm. like that, a bit of reggae. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I like radio, but I'm not really a, a favourite band type of person. I don't think I've ever been to, you know, I've never been to see a concert hardly because i'd rather be playing sport than standing it sounds strange but um i like a bit of indie music from my time as a early 20s going to brighton and stuff so um yeah i I could probably find a few but nothing springs to mind i'm honest no problem um audible or book do you want to listen to a book or do you want to read a book 
I want to read the book, but I must be clear. I want to read it as in in my hands and not on the um, whatever that Amazon thing is. My partner tried to get me into that lasted about a week. That was I knew that wasn't going to be working either. I, the idea was there. I didn't have to take something physical around, but that failed big time. That was uh, no paper paper book in my hands. Just turning my brightness up. Sorry. There you go. Is that going to mess your recording up? I'm no, a bit brighter now. That's great. That's great. Okay. Sorry. Last question. Trick question. If you were a scratch and sniff sticker, a scratch and sniff sticker, and I scratched your back, Lewis, what would you smell like? And I'll say mine just so. If you scratch, but it's okay. Okay, go on then. So, so, so I love my wife and I, we just love being at the beach. And of course, you know, kite surfing is involved in that. But uh, so the, the sea air, so you'd scratch me, you smell the sea air and maybe a pina colada, something like that. Okay. Is that because you've been to those places or is it, can it have another? Oh, we just, want to be, I, we're just, we're just beach people. We love to be at the beach, hanging out at the beach. Okay. So I guess this question is what you'd want to smell like in yeah. a way. Yeah. Well, and I would like, I would like to smell of lavender because I'd like to calm people. I'd uh, like them just to calm down. And I think that's the smell I'd like to, to give off if I did. Lavender <laughs> it is. Lavender it is. <laughs> okay. I don't want to put them to sleep. By the way, I just want them to calm, calm down because I know they do both. Uh, well, hey, thank you, Lewis. Um, what a great guest you've been. Um, it's been so fun having you share some of your life, uh, some of the things you've accomplished, um, life lessons, and of course, your mindset. So, really appreciate it. Thank you for being a guest on the Return on Life podcast, Lewis. Thank you so much for having me, Randy. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.